Thomas? Michael. You being in North Carolina, you're going to love this story. I'm not in North Carolina. I said you coming from being from North Carolina. Okay, all right. So they're having a city council meeting. Where? Durham. Okay. Do the Pledge of Allegiance before they do a city council meeting. They also had six Cub Scouts standing right by the flag as they're doing this uh, Pledge of Allegiance. And it so happened that one of the Cub Scouts, a 10-year-old boy, sparked controversy. Because you know what he does, Thomas, as they're doing the Pledge of Allegiance? I heard about that. He took a knee. He took a knee, baby. <laughs> Be prepared for faux patriot outrage, right? Is this a black kid? No, white kid. Yeah, I don't remember any black kids being in my Cub Scout troop <laughs> in North Carolina. It doesn't happen. Oh, it's sad to think that a 10-year-old is capable of having an independent thought, right? Separate of his parents. Oh, yeah. Because a 10-year-old couldn't possibly believe in racism, could he? No. Oh, I don't know how to react to this. A 10-year-old white boy Cub Scout. Kick him out of the Cub Scouts, right? That's what you do, wouldn't you? Yeah, you got to blackball him. Now, to be fair to this kid, I, I you know, like to think that this kid has independent thought. But, you know, come on. We, you both I were 10 years old at one time. And believe me, we weren't being that civic-minded at those age, were we? I have to applaud my, my home state there for still doing the Pledge of Allegiance. Do you remember having to do that when you were a kid? Yes. But now that I look back at that, it's kind of weird, wasn't it? It's almost like being in North Korea. <laughs> no. Think about that. You stand up, you put your hand over your heart, and you repeat these, I don't know, 100 words or whatever, and you sit back down. It's almost like some kind of, you know, Stepford thing, isn't it? The good news is you're brainwashed for life. I look back at that and think that's kind of weird to do that. I pledge of allegiance. I always thought that would have been a good thing to do for that furniture polish company, <laughs> Pledge. Pledge. Yeah. Uh, you're just the Mr. Marketing genius, aren't you? I am. You are. You've got some great ideas over the years. People might get the wrong idea. We love our country. We do. Yeah. But we are a country, I think, of independent thinkers, okay? We want to question everything that people ask us to do, because otherwise— we are Stepford, aren't we? Yeah. Now, to be fair to this kid that we thought he's a 10-year-old, boy, is this kid ahead of his time. His father is a civil rights attorney and a professor. So I'm guessing- uh, It was a setup. Yeah, I think so, buddy. I think so. Anyway. There's no honesty anywhere anymore, <laughs> there is there? Uh, Even in our protest. Tom and Mike. They had an auction in Germany this week, and five Hitler watercolors were up for auction. Five Hitlers, Thomas. What do you mean watercolors? Oh, he was a painter? He was a prolific painter. He painted over 2,000 paintings before he turned to politics in his life. So what does an original Hitler go for? Well, they were hoping for <laughs> 21000 to 50000 but not one of them sold. Not one of them. Thank you, Jesus. But here, here's the reason. Well, it was a combination. Of course, they weren't going to have the people, you know, right there. They were going to be over the phone. No one's going to say, yeah, I want that. Yeah. Also. Oh, the, the public shame and humiliation that comes with buying something like that. I got it. Right. So you have to do it very surreptitiously, very quietly, very under the radar, right? Right. But, you know, Hitler did 2,000 paintings in his lifetime. Now, if he had a smart lawyer, he didn't have to kill himself. A smart lawyer would argue that he was innocent from lead poisoning for all that paint, right? Yeah, his mind went nuts, right. He got rejected at art school and he goes starts a war. That just shows you what uh, happens if you get rejected. You know what my new thing is on watching TV? You know, you were asking the other day, right. what am I watching? Right. There's a series 
I don't think there's any particular order to the series, so you can turn it on any time. It's called Nazi Fugitives. <laughs> yeah, I saw you. Know, I've, I've watched it. And they had one the other day on... Mengele. Mengele. Yeah, Mengele. They caught that son of a gun. Yeah, did you see some of the footage where they dug up his grave? Yep. And, you know, you're seeing parts of his body come out of the grave. Oh, my gosh. You know, too many of those guys got away, though. I don't know what it was about South America, but they got a, a lot of them got away. But anyway... See, this is why I'm telling you there's got to be a hell, because that grave was not good enough for him. Right. I know. But getting back to Hitler's paintings, can you imagine? Can, can you imagine buying? What a segue! Can you imagine buying one of Hitler's paintings and then Hitler's you know, body was never recovered, right? No, never. But his paintings were. Yes. So can you imagine? There's a Hitler painting hanging on somebody's wall, and you're at a cocktail party, and you go over and you're with your woman, and you're looking at this. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like the work on this. I like the brush strokes. I like the scenery. And then they look in the corner and says. A Hitler. <laughs> and you go, you take a big step backward and go, come on, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I don't like what I see here. Yeah, maybe I don't like these people I'm hanging out with. Right. This is a party I don't want to be at. And where would you hang a Hitler painting anyway? How about right inside the urinal? Where do you keep your John Wayne Gacy painting of the clown? You know about those? In the guest bedroom? <laughs> yeah. What's with all these killers that were these creative people? I don't know. Yeah. Even Ted Bundy did art, you know? Yeah. He did like Do stick figure art. <laughs> you know, I thought Dahmer did stick figure. Dahmer? Too? Yeah. Didn't he do like little, you know, skeletons? He'd like made little like popsicle sticks and stuff. No, I, I didn't know anything about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. But your gazy is, well, do you have like a light on it? No, I can't stand to look at it in the nighttime hours. So I keep right. the lights off. All right. Here's something that's constantly under the light. We do bring light into a dark place, don't yes, we? we? Do. we Even do. though we... we're talking about Hitler's know, painting, Mingulas and all that. But for the most part, you know, we're we're fun, right? Fun, 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 fun. We want to convince ourselves of that. Yes. And here's the place to go. You can have your Tom and Mike fix 24-7. It's what's this world coming to.com, our daily podcast, people. That's right. Tom and Mike. Now, Thomas, this is why we have too many people in this world, because everybody's got to complain about something. They're over in Great Britain. They were going to put on a school play. This is the middle school. Look, young kids. The play was called Darwin Rocks, a musical about the theory of evolution. But they had to cancel the play because six parents expressed concern. These people are obviously not uh, evolutionists. They're creationists. And uh, this is exactly why we can't have nice things, because of the six people ruining it for everybody else. What do you think about that, Judge? Call them conscientious objectors. <laughs> I think they don't want to be there because of religious reasons. That's okay with me. Oh, no, no. I hate to side with them because, you know, I went to a musical. It was the Stephen Hawkins Dance Party. I saw a community theater. I loved it. Loved it. Stephen Hawkins Dance Party. <laughs> Everything's not publicly so correct. so weird. <laughs> But just like oil and water, religion and science don't mix, does it? Do they? Sometimes. Sometimes they work hand in hand perfectly together. Other times we seem to be conflicted. And I say you got to let the parents raise their children the way they believe. I know, but come on. I mean, most people are evolutionists. You're an evolutionist, aren't you? Yeah, but I also believe in the story of creation. I know. How do you reconcile that? Right. That's a long conversation that we can have off mic. Tom and Mike. A guy committed murder in New Orleans, right? 
So after a couple days, he must have talked to his family or his lawyer or whatever, and he decided he wanted him to turn himself in. So he goes into a police station in New Orleans, and he tried to admit that he was the guy they're looking for, and they wouldn't arrest him. You know why? Why? He didn't have an ID on him. Here's a guy wanted for second-degree murder and spent an hour pleading with the New Orleans police to arrest him. These are some lazy cops. Most cops would arrest him for failure to identify himself and then resisting arrest. What about this? Come on. I have a buddy of mine who is a cop. Yeah. He tells me he's actually a detective. He tells me when there's a major crime, Yeah, you wouldn't believe how many people come forward and say it was them. They have to investigate everything. They just can't assume that that person committed the crime. There's a lot of crazy people out there. Yeah, I know. But he actually had to get a piece of paper, a newspaper, and bring it to him and show him that he's the guy in this picture. And they finally arrested him. Guy should have, you know, put a bag of pot in his top pocket. That's what he got him arrested, something like that. Right. Maybe somebody didn't feel like doing any more paperwork that day, huh? Lazy cops, right? No, we love our cops. Or give the cop a brisk slap across the face. I guarantee your ID wouldn't matter at that point, would it? That's right. (laughs) You haven't ever been arrested, have you? No, how about you? No, never. Ever close to it? No. No. The closest I ever came to is my wife and I were coming back from dinner. We had another couple in the back seat. We just dropped them off, and we're driving. We're about half a mile from my house, and a cop pulls us over. And I had had a couple glasses of wine with dinner earlier. And then we had even a an after-dinner drink, but it was like two hours since then. He pulled me over. I said, what the hell did I do? He goes, you had a light out, the old light out, right? Made me do the breathalyzer, and then he made me walk a line. And that walking that line is pretty hard, isn't it? I never did it. Was it hard, really? Yeah, it was hard. It's hard to do that even when you're not been drinking. So I blew the breathalyzer, and it came back under. You know what the cop did, Thomas? He made me blow it again. Is that legal to do that? Because he didn't. <laughs> he couldn't believe that he didn't find anything. I would imagine, you know, anybody not knowing you. Because you're kind of goofy. <laughs> well, he had me blow it again, and again, it didn't come up with anything. So he had to let me go. But that's the closest I ever came to. Wow. Yeah. So you were nervous. I was nervous. I'll, I'll, you, know, well, you know, it's going through my mind that I'm going to read my name in the, in the local paper that next week. But here I am at this point in my life, little over millennial. You never, life. ever want to get a DUI. No. Not that I would know, because I never have. You know, I'm knocking on my head right now. Well, I'd rather get a DUI than a sexual assault or something like that. Yeah, I don't think I want any of the above. But the point being, if you're convicted, your insurance goes through the roof. You might do time in jail. You might lose your driver's license. You know, if you work at a government job, you might not be able to work that job anymore because you have to have a pristine record. Right. And speaking of which, (laughs) come to think of it, you know, how many people are in our government who are just downright crooks? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, too many. Too yeah. many. Tom and Mike. This uh, website called Wallet Hub. I think they're a travel website. They just did a study that find out what is the healthiest 10 cities in the country and the 10 unhealthiest cities. And they judge this by access to health care, fitness, food opportunities, meaning good food to get, you know, good you know, restaurants that have, or grocery stores with good food, green space, hiking trails, parks, and bike paths. Here's what's interesting. Well, well, let me see if you can guess any of them first. Would Charleston, South Carolina be in there? No. It seems like they're in every positive list. I don't know why. Eight of the 10 cities are on the West Coast. Oh, I see. San Francisco? Number one. Number one. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I just don't think about California that much. Is clean air part of the deal? 
I guess so, but I think San Fran is some good air. San Fran was number one, Seattle two, San Diego three, Portland, Oregon four, Washington DC five, New York City six, Denver, Honolulu, Scottsdale, Arizona. Here's what's interesting. The 10 healthiest cities, all but one, are blue states. And in the 10 unhealthiest cities, all of them are, guess what? Red states. Yeah. How, what do you think about that? So who's the unhealthiest state? Brownsville, Texas, followed by Laredo, Texas, Gulfport, Mississippi, followed by Huntington, West Virginia, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Augusta, Georgia, Memphis, Tennessee, Number nine is Detroit, Michigan, and number 10, Montgomery, Alabama. What do you think that's about? Montgomery, Alabama? Well, no, just that nine of the 10 healthiest are red state or blue states and the 10 health unhealthiest. Well, what's the one blue state in the unhealthy? None, unless Michigan, Detroit. That's yeah, a, yeah, that would be. That's a swing. That's a swing, right. I would think Flint would be in the unhealthiest cities. Right. Who did this list? I told you it was a Wallet Hub. You wallet familiar with Hub. that? I'll tell you what's in my wallet. A big old hub. <laughs> and that makes you happy, right? <laughs> That's right. That makes Thomas happy. Do you carry around a lot of, a lot of cash Never. in your wallet? No. Like if I opened your wallet right now, how much cash would be in it? I'd probably get shot if I got mugged because I'd probably have two bucks in my wallet. You know, if you're getting mugged, you better have some money in your wallet, right? Right. All I have is credit cards in my wallet. And if I, have, I go out, I might have maybe 7 or $8 in, in ones in my pocket. That's you know, it. it's funny you should say that because I'm looking for a wallet and a lot of men's wallets now are just little pouches that hold credit cards. They don't even hold cash, which I don't want a wallet like that. I'm sorry. I'm no, not. That's not manly. No. Like I said, I have to have that big bulge down there. Do you still have that fanny pack? The fanny pack? Yeah. You still wear that? I lost that in the eighties. Oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> But you used to wear it on your fanny to hide that big butt of yours, right? <laughs> it was uh, somebody with the name Kardashian, I think. Tom and Mike. Uh, here's a couple of real knuckleheads. A couple guys stole an SUV the other day, right? But the SUV wasn't just any SUV. It had a U-Haul behind it. So these guys get this SUV with the U-Haul, and they're all probably excited. You know, not only that they got an SUV, but let's see what's inside the U-Haul. Guess what was inside the U-Haul? Drugs. No, it was carrying a lot of dead weight. You know what the dead weight was? Mm -mm. A casket with somebody in there. Oh. A tisket, a tasket. We stole the occupied casket. Oh, that's not good. Right? So what do you do with that? Oh, I don't know what they do with it, but the good what luck. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> good, <laughs> good luck on doing a joke on that one. Good luck trying to fence that, right? That's right. Right? Yeah. So why would you have your casket in a U-Haul? Well, that's what got me. Maybe they were moving, you know? Let's see. They get to the house. The table and chairs go in the dining room, the TV in the bedroom. And let's put a Harry, Uncle Harry in the basement next to the heater to keep him warm. Mm. I hope when they get caught, they get a stiff penalty. That's what I'm thinking. A stiff penalty. What were they having a casket in a U-Haul for? They never found out. Story never said. I don't get to the answers all the time. You know that, don't you? Yeah, I, I realize that. I'm waiting for the answer. So what's the rest of the story? There isn't one because I am not <laughs> Paul Harvey. Rest his soul. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I should have had a rest of the story and come up with some better jokes or something. But they all can't be winners, Thomas. I try so hard for you. You're a very demanding boss. You know that, don't you? I'm not your boss. Yes, you are. I'm your buddy, your pal, your amigo, your compadre. And boss. No. And fearless leader. Is that why when I call you when we're not on the air, you just want to like hang up quickly? No, it's <laughs> Because okay. you think of me as your boss. You don't like to talk on the phone, do you? I have the phone about eight feet away from my ear when I'm talking to you. Yeah, I call him just to 
make some kind of interesting comment about something maybe I saw on TV or heard on the radio. And he's like, okay, Tom, I got to get back to work. Oh, that is not yeah, true. Yeah, you just totally blow That's me off. That's not true. Yeah. You I'm know, probably- I know why now. Nobody wants <laughs> to talk to their boss. You think of me as your boss. That's well, terrible. Boss I'm not la- your boss. You're my boss slash partner. We're in the pecking order. You are up uh, here. No, we're not pecking. And I am down We're not way, even. We're not down. even holding hands. <laughs> I'm just drawing the line right now. Tom and Mike.